0: Hello, and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights Podcast Series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. And good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Happy Friday, Matthew, and global eyes are on that Australian Open Tennis event. As a proud Melbourneian as I know you are, will it or won't it? Go ahead, Matthew.
1: Well, I am Melbourne. Mel- Burnian born and bred, and like all Melburnians, I'm mad about sport. Um, and it does look like uh, Tennis Australia is really keen to get that uh, that Open happening. But my view is that we have to be we have to respect that the health crisis. I mean, really, the success of Australia has been in its prudent approach to um, uh, spread of COVID, and we really must look towards the health authorities and take their uh, their advice on on things like uh, opening events in to, in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Also front news, Matthew is the RBA, who surprised most commentators uh, this week by announcing their intention to extend its quantitative easing program. And as we touched on our QPod last week, the Australian economy is doing pretty well, particularly relative to our global peers. The RBA has now acknowledged that that Australia's consistent recovery is better than they had expected less than six months ago. So if the economy is recovering well, why extend the QE program now?
1: Craig, I agree with this sentiment that the unexpected move to the RBA to extend its uh, QE program had little to do with a change in the RBA view on the pace of economic co- recovery. Um, But I do think it was pretty much a foregone conclusion by the market that the RBA would have to extend QE, if not at last Tuesday's meeting, then at some point in the future. Uh, But not because of developments in growth and inflation, but rather due to uh, pressures on the currency. Having said that, in uh, Wednesday's speech, Governor Lowe did identify the outlook for inflation and jobs, along with pressure on the currency and the fact that QE in their view, had worked in suppressing interest rates um, as factors that uh, influenced their uh, decision to extend QE. But given the economic outlook uh, has improved, I suspect it was fears around the direction of currency that forced the RBA to act sooner rather than later.
0: And we know that our currency has been driven higher by some of those overseas QE programs, Matthew, but what about our terms of trade? Well, Australia seeing record export demand for our coal iron ore, and even our rural produce, rather, affect this?
1: Well, that's right, Craig. We know the LZ dollar is sensitive to the terms of trade, and we've seen, for example, Australia's bulk commodity prices increase by a third since the uh, onset of COVID. It does look like that shift higher in our terms of trade might be coming um, to an end. Uh, We see signs that iron ore prices have peaked with the spot price now uh, showing signs of decline. If the decline in commodity prices and the terms of trade continue, it will provide an offset to the upward pressure on the currency from looser monetary policy overseas. The question is, Uh, Will it provide enough of an offset to lower the exchange rate? And the answer is that given the size of the QE programs in major central banks around the world, the answer there is probably no. So unless the RBA also increases its QE program, we probably would see continued upward pressure on the Australian dollar. You're listening to Craig Balance
0: and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresight shaping your investment outlook Matthew, the RBA was almost forced to act now to manage the Aussie dollar's value, it seems. How much ongoing QE do you predict the RBA will need to do to execute in order to get a comfortable level?
1: Well, we think the the Aussie dollar trading within a band of, of a fairly wide band at that of, say, 70 cents to 75 cents is a, a range that the RBA would be comfortable with. Um, we expect a, an easing as I said, of uh, the iron ore price, which should continue over 2021 as China gradually winds back its infrastructure and housing market stimulus measures uh, should relieve pressure on the terms of trade and hence the Aussie dollar. However, we also think the RBA will have to yet again extend its QE program in the face uh, of ongoing monetary stimulus by the world's major central banks who look like they're gonna extend QE um, you know, for at least another couple of years. So I think we'll probably see a further $100 billion extension of QE in October, and that will extend uh, well into the first half of 2022.
0: And of course, Matthew, as we go to air this morning, we're at around 76 cents uh, in terms of just being above that comfortable range. There's been chatter about the RBA absorbing most of the issuance of the federal government bonds, similar to what has happened in Europe and Japan, which of course left those central banks running out of government bonds to buy and affected the efficient market hypothesis for pricing of risk. Matthew, are there dangers or learnings for Australia here in how to avoid our own Japanification?
1: Well, it is the case, Craig, that the RBA will be buying around $4 billion of Australian government bonds a week, while the government will be issuing only somewhere between $2 and $3 billion a week. So the RBA will be shrinking the pool of Australian government bonds by around about $1.5 billion a week, at least until October Uh, when the extension of their current QE program ends. Having said that, the pool of existing bonds, as opposed to the new issuance, is still very large and enough for the RBA to implement its extended program and probably also an extension of its program further into 2022 uh, in line with our expectations without running out of bonds to buy. But the other defining features, coming back to your point of Japanification, the other defining features of that are really low growth, zero or negative bond yields, deflation, onward ongoing expectations of deflation, and monetary policy impotence. And I think Australia is a long way away from going down those paths of Japanification. Uh, currently, our 10-year bond yield, although it's low, is still in excess of 1%. You look at Japan, its bond yield 10-year bond yield is zero. The annual inflation rate um, in Australia. Uh, currently is almost 1%, and the market expects Australian inflation to average 1.8% over the next 10 years, whereas in Japan, they're currently experiencing deflation at an annual rate of 1%, and inflation expectations in Japan over the next 10 years is almost flat at 0.1%. And finally, Japan's economy fell by around double the rate at which the Australian economy fell in 2020, and over the next two years, our recovery is expected to be around about two percentage points faster than Japan's. Yeah,
0: so there's uh, still a little bit of a difference there in terms of our economic makeup. You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the economic implications of the RBA's decision this week to extend QE despite a strengthening economy. Matthew, it would be remiss of me not to ask, but in choosing to manage the Australian dollar now, is the risk the RBA is actually inflating a domestic housing bubble?
1: Oh, Certainly with mortgage rates where they are and the pickup in house prices that we're seeing, You know, the risk of another surge in house prices is very real. The RBA, however, is pretty relaxed at the moment about the housing market because rather than focusing on house prices, what they focus on is uh, household debt levels, which are falling, and uh, bank lending standards, which are tight. And, and they are the indi- indicators of sustainability in the housing market for the RBA, and the RBA is also happy, I think, to let the housing market run a little as the pickup in dwelling construction that's been generated by the uptick in demand for houses. that's uh, a very strong positive for the uh, uh, Australian economy, uh, Craig. You know, the construction industry is very labour intensive and it also has um, very strong linkages, uh, supply chain linkages, with other parts of the domestic economy. So it does generate strong growth in uh, the Australian economy.
0: Matthew, before wrapping up, uh, does all this stability in the Australian economy and the dollar effectively translate to Australia being a destination of choice for not only foreign capital, but also foreign investment?
1: Well, the thing about Australia, it's a small uh, economy With very strong trade linkages to the rest of the world now many countries in that sort of position benefit in terms of high rates of uh, long-term economic growth from their international trade exposure but at the expense of heightened volatility to the global economic cycle and australia is unique in that we benefit from the relatively high growth that we get from our trade but with very low volatility and this is partly due to prudent fiscal and monetary policy, and that acts as strong stabilizers to economic growth during uh, times of downturn, just as we've seen uh, with COVID. Stability, though, in policymaking also Uh, manifests itself in other ways in Australia, particularly in in its approach to um, the health risks of COVID, where we had very strong bipartisan political support for the COVID suppression measures. Now, all of these factors, when you add them up, when you combine them, they actually deliver stability in investor confidence in Australian assets. And if you want evidence of that, just look at our AAA sovereign risk rating and look at the very high risk ratings of our major banks. In other words, the high confidence that uh, ratings agencies have in the financial system in Australia, even in the, uh, the given the onslaught of COVID. And that gives a lot of comfort to, or should give a lot of comfort to international investors. Thank you, Matthew. So in summary, with clear
0: signs the Australian economy is benefiting from our effectiveness to manage COVID-19, the RBA might be excused for going a little early on extending their QE program to bring that Australian dollar back to comfortable levels. Now, rather than wait and face the decision of currency management within an even stronger economic conditions, and will our foreign investors in tow continue to see Australia as a destination of choice for their risk budgets with both economic and currency stability? And finally, let's hope all the measures put in place to manage COVID-19 are effective and Melbourne gets the Australian Open underway on Monday. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's QPod. Please reach out to Dr Peter or I via qpod.com with any comments or feedback and have a super weekend.